from Reno, I was trailed by 20 pounds. Didn't get to sleep that night till the morning came around. Sit out and run, but I take my time. A friend of the devil is a friend of mine. I get home before daylight, just might get some sleep tonight. Welcome to Twisted Lister, episode 18. The dead taking us in there on a show where we're going to talk about our favorite music festival memories. So very fitting. And of course, the dead also a tribute. Harrison, welcome to the show. Tell us a little bit about the tribute that we're celebrating today with Friend of the Devil by the Dead. Well, uh, today's today's my my late departed father's birthday, uh, July 8th, 1951. He was uh, a g- massive Grateful Dead fan growing up. Grew up in the uh, San Francisco area, and was uh, a, a early adopter and and stayed a massive Grateful Dead fan ever since. I mean, I'm a little upset that you played Friend of the Devil. I mean, come on, the guy's passed, and you play Friend of the Devil. That's some fucked up shit, man. <laughs> <laughs> I get it. I get it. I think maybe but, the legend would be smiling at that. I don't know. Yeah. He would. He would. He'd be happy happy to hear it. But I think know. he liked when the Marshall Plan covered it. We did a little punked up version we of it. Did, our fir- was that our first show? Our first gig, yes. I know. I actually I have that somewhere. I'll pull it out for the next, really? next time we do it. Yeah, oh, I have it. That would be a nice little chestnut. I have it on, on mini-disc. So, oh, yeah. my. Wow. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Mini-disc. On mini-disc, yeah. Jeez. That's better than an 8-track. Yeah, it is slightly better than eight track. You can <laughs> you can play it back. So yeah, so that's good. yeah, so yeah, so that. Thank you for doing that. That was a great great little thing. I appreciate that. Of course, of course, and it's a perfect segue into your list, which we'll get to momentarily. Of course, welcome to the show. You can catch us uh, uh, at twistedlistpod.com. That's that's up now and going. So enjoy that. Twist, and twisted list pod. Twisted list pod. Twistedlistpod.com. Right? That's right. Yeah, that's that you, is your your central repository for Twisted Lister life and knowledge. That's right? right. That's right. You'll find Twisted Lister mixtapes, Twisted Lister podcast, and Twisted Lister panties, which you can purchase for a low price. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, yeah. We'll, uh, if you request them, we'll have them made. Uh, Don't get so, your panties in a Twister. Yeah, that's um, right. Yeah. That's right. Well, welcome to the show. Uh, so today we're going to count down music festival memories, our favorite music festival memories. It's summertime. It's time to talk music fest. And who better to do it than us three? And, of course, you can always email us, twistedlister69 at gmail.com. Let's kick things off with Harrison. Go. So, all right. So um, I'm going to start right here with my number five, which uh, was from going from the Grateful Dead into this. uh, In 1998, my father took our entire family to go see the Further Festival that year, which I believe uh, had the other ones was the headliner, as long with uh, Hot Tuna and Rusted Root. Um, so you can imagine, uh, my younger siblings were bored as hell, um, and I was marginally <laughs> engaged. But, um, so can you remind us who was in the other ones? Like, was it everybody? Was it everybody in the Grateful Dead except for uh, Jerry Garcia and Bill Kreutzmann, who was the second drummer? Because if you remember, most people might not know this. The Grateful Dead had two drummers because why wouldn't they? No, of course they had. Uh, <laughs> but I think was Hornsby part of the other ones? Did he tour with the other ones? 
or I mean, but the but the other ones are you know like the Grateful Dead. The keyboardist is just completely fluid. Anybody could be the keyboardist Whoa. at any given time. That is true. Look it up. They had like seven keyboards. Yeah, I know. I know. But is is any is Bruce? Don't say, Bruce Hornsby isn't just anybody. I mean, right. he isn't any, no, 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 no. Don't get me wrong. I don't. I, I, it's, yeah, it's, let's not marginalize. Yeah. Hornsby. I'm sorry. So that was yeah. that was 16 years ago. So I can't remember if Bruce Hornsby was on that tour. I don't think he was, but he might have been. Okay, but, uh, but Bob Weir was right. in it. Phil Lash, you're saying Bob Mickey Weir, Hart. Phil Lash, Mickey Hart. So the the, the core the, the core of the group. But you actually might be right. I think uh, Bruce Hornsby might have joined them on a tour, and I'm shocked that you remember that, and I don't. But I shouldn't be shocked because you're Scott Fleischer. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, so for me, that's that's my sentimental number five on my list of favorite festival moments. Just being yeah. able to go experience that with my dad, who was so excited to be there and share it with his kids. Um, and, and, you and know, where was that? That was it. Uh, it was at Merriweather, I think. Okay. So yeah, there not too bad. Either Merriweather. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. I went to a further fest that was sad. I went to a further fest that was at Pier six in Baltimore and oh. the headliner was, was weird and rat dog and weird and rat dog is just like kind of a sad show because mm -hmm. it's like Bob Weir <laughs> and then he just has Rob Wasserman was there at the time I think since then it's like a rotating like just rotating basis that he has it's kind of just like oh. it's not a it's it wasn't worthy of being a headlining thing and then I, I think yeah. Rusted Root might have been on that bill too I'm not sure really I don't probably shouldn't be on oh, yeah 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 I'm not sure but uh, that's my yeah so I experienced and I saw them at a Baltimore Artscape back several years ago. I remember. Uh, yeah, and, and I've you're seen. Just like, play, play Sammy on thy way, and then we can all go home. Oh, I've, I've <laughs> seen. Yeah, send us right. Yeah, yeah send us on our way. I've seen. I've oh, sorry, sorry, Harrison, but I've seen the Centuries incarnation of Rusted Root as well. It's it's not a, it's not something uh, that you want to see, especially if you have memories from 1996, 97, 98. Who, who, who is this Centuries? No, I'm just saying. I think it's the same. No, it's it's the same. Oh, you've seen this. It's okay. It's it's the same thing. It's the same thing. I you were just say, like, imagine doesn't... dragons was this century's oh, version no. of Rusted Root, which I would agree yeah. with. Oh, that's um, but, um, yeah. Interesting. Okay. Oh, it's an interesting comparison. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. All right. Just they have one good song, and then you just sit through the rest of the crap. Whoa, the whoa, 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 whoa. When I, when, I, when I Woke is a solid album, and there are some tracks on some of their later albums as well. Harrison, hey, look. Harrison, Harrison's I'm probably talking, never heard Sister Cunty. He probably hasn't. Harrison, I'm talking purely. Oh, you know Scott's going to now dig that up. You know that, Harrison. Thankfully, Harrison, this is one of the – this is an amazing song. Her, this, okay. is, this, this song is – this is um, – yeah, this is a great song here. It's called. Scott, this reminds me of when called, you first got it's a called 25 Sister, disc changer, I believe. Uh, and I came to your house and I was like, holy shit. 25, 25 CDs in a one. Hold on. One, uh, hold on. <laughs> yes, I did have. A, I think I had a 50. In then. one device? I, I was know. amazed. I know and that. And then I think you put on first Sister Conti in first and we were just like, yeah, this is the shit. It, well, it is. Wait till it picks up. There it is. There it is. Wow. I'm sorry, Harrison. Were you, were you talking? Because I couldn't. I couldn't hear you over the amazing music. And then it slows down a little bit. It's gonna slow down. He's gonna make bird sounds. We get the vocal styling. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. Wait till it. Can we just wait till it picks up one more time? It's gonna pick up again. It's gonna pick up. 
after his falsetto here. 25 disc changer right now. Alright. You know what? That's fine. If you want to rip on, on Sister Contine, that's fine, but you can't rip on When I Woke. Todd, you got a When I Woke story. Didn't your brother paint the album cover he on his the <laughs> album cover on his bedroom wall? Yes he did. Wait, which brother? Which brother? Oh Drew, come on. Sure, I'm sorry, I just wanted to make sure the shaming was properly. No, it was definitely Drew. He painted okay. the album cover on his bedroom wall. Scott, that's a great memory. Oh yeah. Wow. Yeah. I hope that's Drew awesome. listens to this episode so he can flash back appropriately. Yeah, yeah, he's hooked to painting his walls back in high school. I guess it was a way to get out some of his angst or something. But it's true. We all had our outlets. <laughs> that was a yep. that that he was, was a huge fan of when I woke. That's when I woke was a solid '90s album. Martyr, the drum deal, the ecstasy. Oh, come on, solid yeah, '90s hey. album. Um, Fair enough. All right. Fair enough, guys. Wow. Hey, Harrison, back to your list. Back I like to your list. All right. <laughs> <laughs> number four, number four, which I, actually is going to come up again, um, HF Festival 1995, um, which was my first HF Festival. Uh, I had a ticket to HF Festival 1994, but I got an interim report that year for a possibility of a C in my German class. So my uh. parents decided that the best thing to do was to ground me and take away the one thing I was looking forward to all year <laughs> and not let me go to the HFS wall, which at which point I just shut down and stopped caring about school, um, which I think was obvious for everybody going forward. But <laughs> going back to the to, – so, so that was 94, very bitter. Didn't get to see uh, all the great headliners there. But in 95 – Why um, were, Why were you learning German? Who who else was in that class? How many other people were in that Not class? Not a lot of the Jewish students. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah, I figured. But, uh, yeah. Uh, my mom took my mom took German in in high school and in college, so I was just like, well, that's easy because then I can just get her to teach me it, and there wouldn't be a problem. But uh, <laughs> that didn't work out. Oh, she so. didn't want to come to school with you. <laughs> No, I mean she stopped come on. in ninth grade. She said, "I'm not going to come anymore with you." Okay, look, you can go to school yourself <laughs> now. It started to get weird. <laughs> yeah. It was like, wait, wait, you're, who is that sitting next to you? <laughs> come on, guys, just chill out. She's really cool. Uh, but uh, what I remember, and this is funny, Scott, you, uh, you and I might have some similar memories in that I my glasses were broken in the pit during Primus. Oh uh, yeah. Um, and I, and I couldn't watch the rest of the show with full vision, but what I do remember is that the show ended with Tony Bennett and then the Ramones. And that for me was just like, this is some, when Tony Bennett came out, you're like, what am I seeing? This is crazy. Uh, and then to have the Ramones close the show was just like a good one, two punch that a 15 year old me appreciated on a, on a, on a very high level. And then to realize that like that I got to see the Ramones play live, you know, is still a, yeah. a career highlight. I have to say, um, yes, but that, vivid memories that it's on my list. I was able to dig up the Courtney love appearance at HF festival 95 oh, today. That was a classic. It was unbelievable. I mean, she sounds horrible. <laughs> this is solo. Solo. Just her and a guitar in a, in a football stadium. Butchering Kurt Cobain's work. So is that true that Cobain really wrote this stuff or not? Oh, no, but would you give her credit? 
I, don't know. I, I still like. <laughs> that, I gave some props to Hole in a previous show. I think I actually. I, you I don't. Did. I think but you that. Did. But I did watch this video that's on YouTube of, of her in, at HFS Will ninety five. I, I remember it too. It's bad. I mean, she was obviously in real bad shape at that point. But uh, yeah. it's it's uh, it's bad. But it was the funniest part of the, the the best part of the video is this. There's they pan the crowd. There's this point where she just stopped playing guitar and she's just rambling about something, kind of like what Kanye does today. And uh, <laughs> she's she's ranting and raving, and the crowd is still moshing. We love to mosh so much in 1995 that we didn't even need music. I mean, it's it's remarkable. So anyway, that's awesome. the best part of the video. Fair enough. So HFS Old 95 has a special place in my heart, and I moved from there to the most notorious festival moment of my entire career, which is Woodstock 99, more specifically Limp Bizkit at Woodstock 99. Limp Bizkit. Uh, Limp Bizkit. I think that's remember, the first mention of them ever on this yeah, show. Yeah, I'm not going to play the audio. frankly, a little shocking. Um, but well, we've talked about shit rock a lot, so we probably didn't. We, we have, yeah. We, we, but I don't, yeah, but um, no, I've, I've definitely mentioned the fact that I owned chocolate starfish and the hot dog flavor of okay, water. Okay. I still have that on, yeah, wow. on CD. But that okay. was... More power to you for copying to it. But just a, a, a little cultural history. You remember Woodstock 99 burned to the ground. Uh, and like yes. as much as I like to take credit for lighting the first match, I was a bit less involved than like to, you know, than I usually say. But um, Limp Bizkit like definitely um, tapped into that angsty, rapey energy that was going on at the time because people were so frustrated with the entire experience. It was like basically being in a music prison camp. Uh, and they, but they took it. That was when um, people were ripping up, ripping up the the walls, like ripping the walls, the perimeter wall that they had around, and uh, got Fred Durst to like crowd surf on a big piece of plywood. And then they did the video for Break Shit, I think, or not Break Shit, but one of their other videos that came out after that with like Matt Pinfield as the judge. Do you guys remember that? Like sentencing them. I think milk was spilled. It was like this. Big I don't reaction. remember this. All right, what? this is falling on deaf. Obviously, falling on deaf ears. If here. I did see it, I probably repressed yeah. it somewhere yeah. deep down. But uh, it. I mean, it was. I think it was an interesting, notorious moment, which basically Olympusky got like blamed in the media for causing the Woodstock riot, but they were really just kind of tapping into the energy that was going on. So oh, for me, that oh, was just... you let Fred Durst off the hook for something. Wow. Yeah. 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 So you're going to shit on, like, you're going to shit on rest and root, but you're going to let Fred Durst slide. That's cool. That's cool. Harrison. <laughs> I'm, I'm giving right. him an inch. I'm not giving him a fucking mile. He can't, there's so many things that he's sinned for. That is just not on my list. It just falls off. Like, where is like, where I, is Aaron Lewis on your list? Aaron <laughs> Lewis is not on my list. No, I'm saying Aaron Lewis. After his, yeah, cover, saying, after his cover. cover of Black. Right. You know well, we can blame Fred Durst for that. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. We can blame I Fred know, Durst right? for the Aaron Lewis exactly. project. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So. Uh, well, Aaron, Aaron Lewis has now gone to gone to the the refugee camp known as Country Music, of course. Oh, is he Country now? Yeah, 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 that is the that is the the refugee camp where all musicians go. Wow, maybe yeah, he yeah. and Scott Stapp can tour. Yeah, and we can all. Yeah. yeah. Uh, hey, I think at some point we need to do a Twisted Lister Country episode. That will, I know, we will. I know, Todd. I know, we, we will. That. The the we'll the Woodstock '99 lineup is the is so bizarre. It is so it, it it's, it's weird, insane. and I know. The festivals are oh, they're, they're, what makes them great is the eclectic uh, 
nature of the lineup. But mm-hmm. string cheese was at Woodstock '99. So, 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 really? so, so they were on, so the they were fire. On <laughs> so so the fire is burning down, and string cheese is there. No, they were there on thir- they were there okay. the opening night. I remember seeing them and, and like having no idea who they were at that point, and being like, "These guys are fucking awesome." Yeah. Um, and they were because they were just like. You just showed up and they were playing and it was amazing. It, it is weird that they had booked and I, you know we we always talk we are all for eclectic lineups and we listen to a wide variety of music and the landscape for music now is very different. We're much more accepting of eclectic kind of lineups and it's kind of weird to look at this Woodstock '99 thing where they had you're talking about String Cheese, you had the Roots there, you had Bruce Hornsby, you had Mo, you had Mickey Hart, and then you're putting Rage, Metallica, Corn, and Limp Bizkit on the lineup. It's weird. It's just a weird thing i i not to mention yeah. uh creed yeah kid rock and james brown so i got to see james <laughs> brown perform but because i saw james brown perform i had to see creed perform but they had paul kruger on stage which is from the doors and then they play riders on the storm and for a second i wait, don't wait, fucking paul, you mean krieger robbie krieger robbie krieger robbie krieger oh god wow. they did a wait they did a cover of the at woodstock 99 they did a cover of the doors Oh, oh, that might have been. They did, they did Riders on the Storm. Oh, that might and, that might have been what killed Ray Manzarek. That that might have been. I mean, it, it took it, it took another fifteen <laughs> years. Ten years later. Yeah, fifteen. Him, yeah. yeah, fifteen years later. 15 but years later, yeah. yeah, he found <laughs> he this thing. He found it on YouTube, and he's like, "You guys need to take this down." And YouTube's like, "We're not." And he said, "Fine, that's it. I'm gonna. That's just, it. That's I it. Did. I'm, I'm done." So. Yeah. yeah. So, but yeah, that was a weird moment because it's like I and I yeah. I, I, yeah, it was a terrible. It was terrible. I had a lot of fun oh. with with my friend Blair, but it was it was a terrible event, and I'm glad I went. Shit, so, man, just, Robbie, and Krieger, I'm glad I went. Dude, oh, yeah. dude. I don't think you can say that. It was a terrible event. I'm glad I went. Robbie Krieger, yeah. Robbie Krieger is really there participating in this in this Scott Stapp extravaganza. <laughs> All right, we don't need to hear that. Anyway, no, 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 no. Oh, no, play a little bit. All right, all right, a little more. more bars, man. Oh, okay. see, Harrison wants in. He wants in on that. I don't know if this is the Woodstock performance. They might have actually. No. He doesn't do a bad job. This is sure, the this isn't the, new, the doors of the 21st century. No, listen. Guys, I was gonna listen. say, man, Sarek. Then it's like I could, I could one up this. He okay, doesn't do okay. a bad job. I then this is this is the only time show, you'll ever hear me right, say anything right. nice about Scott Stapp. He didn't ruin it. Okay. So far we so have far, we've discussed so far, <laughs> so far we've discussed Rusted Root, Scott Stapp, Aaron Lewis, and Fred, Fred Durst. Durst. So this show can only go up. Harrison, where are you gonna take <laughs> us next? <laughs> I'm going to take you to a place I know you love, my friend. All right. Is that Funky Town? Where is that? No, we're going to go back to the HF Festival. Okay. Uh, older and wiser and a little less actually an HF Festival, which would be HF Festival 2006. And, Scott, this is our shared ex- another shared experience you and I have, and it's specifically you, me, and Hetty in the pit eating a giant sandwich and watching <laughs> Cypress Sandwich. Cypress. Is that how I met your mother reference? It is. I guess? It is. Yeah, it is. I don't know okay. if it is, Todd. If it is for you, it may okay. be. Let's, <laughs> let's just say, Hetty managed to buy a sandwich off a of dude for five bucks. Oh, that's a good we, deal. For five bucks, right? I hope it had, like, Even the strong Even in $2,006, that's a good yeah. deal for a sandwich. We head down, and I, had, and I, I was like, I had a I had a wristband for the pit and Hetty had a wristband but you didn't Scott or two of us had a wristband wow. we didn't but we still managed to get all of us down in the pit 
And then we had Cypress Hill, Kanye West, and Modest Yahoo playing a row. And, yeah. Or was it was that the wrong order? Yeah. But, uh, right. No, Kanye headlined. It was remarkable. I, I'll talk a little bit about it during my list too. But go ahead. I mean, it was amazing. No, that's it was two thousand six. Well, no, two thousand six. It was this. It, you know, it was amazing because we we got to see Kanye. Uh, really at the top of his game. And it was amazing. And this show, so it was at an amphitheater. We were on the floor there right in front. And it was a really, it was a great lineup, back to back to back. It was Cypress Hill, Matis Yahoo. Matis Yahoo at the time was a legit performer before he decided that the the whole Orthodox Jewish thing was just for show. Uh, And he had a, you know, obviously live from Stubbs had had come out right then, and he he was getting big. But more importantly, Kanye, 2006, man, I mean, he was just out. This was the first time that he was starting to get really big. Uh, he was unbelievable running back and forth across the stage. He was wearing the – he had the, the pink polo shirt and the jeans. Like, you know, that was his thing, being this preppy guy. And the energy was amazing. And he had these female violinists back there. It was – dude, it, it, I'm not even – it doesn't even sound like your boy Kanye now, Todd, does it? It sounds very different. <laughs> but Todd will defend Kanye to the death. So, um, you know, and we, I don't you know. know, you know, uh, yeah, yeah, you, you, you will. And, and we like Kanye here for the most part. But 2006 hey, is uh, loves Jesus, man. I know. He's been the biggest. I, I love him. But I Harris, that, that show was that I am. So that is one of the, the, the best shows that I've ever seen. It had nothing mm-hmm. to do with the. The festival and the fact that it was called Nature Festival, because we know by that time Nature Festival had basically died, 2006. But the fact that we got to see Kanye in that setting and at that time, you know, you think back to when you could see bands and artists on their way up or at the peak um, or at a point where just before they continue the climb, whatever you want, however you want to describe it, that was definitely one of those moments, Harrison. I'm on board with that. Absolutely. Man. It, was, yeah. it, was, it was just, it was a moment in time that we got to experience, especially with Cypress kind of starting it off. Yeah. And I mean, that old, old school feel and then going into Modest Yahoo and then going into Kanye and it's just this kind of like this progression that was so amazing. It was like the, the before, the now, and then the future all at once. It was really cool. And it's like, the, and we get the perspective on that, which makes it awesome. Um, and my number one, which was like this great moment that I had was Bumbershoot 1997, um, which Todd, you'll, there's a little bit of irony in this coming off of Firefly because the headliners for Bumbershoot 97 were back yeah. in the Foo Fighters. Yeah. So and that, that's awesome, humans. Yeah, and the the headliners at, Foo Fight, at Firefly this year wow. back in the Foo Fighters. So, but what was really cool about it is um, so the show opened with L Seven, which was kind of cool, and then you go into Beck, who was doing his thing with the cane at the time. I don't know if you remember that Beck period, but he was being very he was trying to be very old school, except he had only been like around Midnight Vultures time. That kind of thing. Uh, it's, before it's that, early, right? It's, it's where it's at. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where okay. It's at, yeah. After Odelay, yeah. I guess. After Odelay, but but feeling like he had made it, you know, and like was 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 king shit. Um, and then the Food Fighters come, came out and play. And at the time, you had um, you had both Dave Grohl and Pat Smear in the band when Pat Smear was doing his first tour through the band. And um, as we got to the encore portion of the show, who comes out but Chris Novoselic um, for the first time on stage with Dave Grohl and Pat Smear since Nirvana ended. And it was the first Nirvana reunion until they got back together with uh, with Paul McCartney to do um, the, the Paul McCartney stuff later. So um, for me, that was this, like, this incredible moment where you're like, holy shit, Nirvana's on stage, except, you know, obviously sans um, 
Cobain. But for me, that was just like this crazy moment that was just very quick and very short, but very poignant as like something I got to experience. Uh, and that's why I made it to my number one. So there's that. Yeah, that's no, that's very that's really that's really cool. Bumper Shoot yeah, Great awesome. Festival out in Seattle that's still happening, oh. I, I believe. Oh. Still Sorry, going. yes, every Memorial Day weekend, and you know, it gets it, it's a pretty big show out there, and uh, just a great, great music time. Especially you know, in '97, the the Seattle sound wasn't dead yet, and uh, and to have that and to have that kind of experience was pretty cool. I never saw Nirvana live. That was the closest I ever came to seeing Nirvana perform. Um, so for me, that was special. So that's why it's my number one best festival moment. The Seattle no, sound. Great. The Seattle sound is not dead today. Have you met Macklemore? Come on. That's true. No, but I have not met right. Macklemore, but it's on my list of things to do. <laughs> yeah. No, that's hey, that's when you're in cool. Seattle. You're gonna be in Seattle soon. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Call him up. Call him up. <laughs> All right. Well, good that's list, man. Yeah. Very Thank good. You. I like a lot of detail there. It's yeah, good. maybe too much, but yeah, there you go. No, never too much. <laughs> never too much. Go ahead. Todd, your list, top five music I, festival right, memories for yourself. It? Yeah. All right. Well, I did I did leave one off that I know be partly because I thought Scott would, and he will, I think, cover it, so I didn't want to overlap with that, so I'll let him get into that one. Um, and I also left off, um, I guess these are honorable mentions, but kind of they would have been on there. And then I didn't include Firefly since it's so recent, and Harrison and I just covered it recently. Um, but I, I have a feeling that will probably be in my that's that's in the top ones and uh, a lot of good memories from Firefly. But I'm not gonna put it on this one because I went I dug a little well at least a little further back, not that far back. You'll see. But anyway, number five, um, I go back 20 years on this, um, and it's not exactly a festival, but it's kind of a festival because it's a group of acts in an odd setting. Uh, but it was something called the Waymore Weekend. Uh, which happened in 1994. I think there might have only been one ever. I don't even know. Um, I'm pretty sure. And, and I think Harrison researched this because Harrison went. We both went to this, mm -hmm. and it was yeah. at the the DC Convention Center in 1994, <laughs> and it was something aimed at like college students. But we were in high school. We were actually like I think it was sophomore year of high school. But anyway, mm -hmm. it was in hindsight an incredible lineup of bands that had just, a couple of them had just come out with their debut albums, including Radiohead, who mm -hmm. all they had was Pablo Honey, and Weezer, who all they had was the Blue album. So this kind of harkens back to our 1994 episode. And Jimmy, I mean, Sh Jimmy Shick and Shack played too. Jimmy Shick and Shack was in there too. They were a yeah. uh, local favorite in Baltimore, D.C. And Toad the Wet Sprocket was also in there, which is funny because they made also, just, two yeah. of my top five somehow. That's but, amazing. <laughs> um, but not really because of them. And not in spite of them, but they're just there. But uh, and, I mean, barefoot. I, can't, I can't remember. Do you remember what? I mean, we definitely went for the music. That's why I went. Oh yeah, we went for the music. Group. But well, why, like, do you remember which band we went for? Because I can't. It was either Radiohead or Weezer, but not. Both. I think it was probably. Like. I'm gonna say it was. Well, I'm gonna say it was more Weezer, but it mm -hmm. was. I, but Radiohead was, you know, bonus at least. So yeah, it's just funny because you think about it now, and Radiohead is. You know, they kind of disowned that first album. I don't know if they play much anything off Pablo Honey, um, but that was all they had at the time. And Weezer was playing the Blue Album, and it was it was to me even at the time it was a really cool thing because it was one of my first concerts. Um, but in hindsight, it's like wow, we really got to see these bands, kind of like Harrison was mentioning earlier. But we got to see these bands that were just starting out. That here we are, 20 years later, and they're two of the best bands I think of the their generation. 
and they they stood up to the, the test of time, and they're still today. So I'd love Jimmy to see Radiohead or Weezer. Weezer. Yes, exactly. Okay, I was just making sure we're so on the same. So anyway, uh, as I think Harrison noted when we were at Firefly, I think even if you Google, I think way more weekend can't be found on via Google or Wikipedia, so it's basically dead to everyone except those who were there to witness it, which is kind of a weird thing in 2014. There's you one, find that much, one, right? more, one more resource that we can check. Have you checked setlist, yeah. setlist.fm? That's the one. one oh, I have one. Yeah, no. let's, let's check. That's the one last resource worth checking. Uh, so we'll let producer Scott check yeah. that out while I go into number go four. Ahead. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. And if it, but if it four. isn't there, you're right. It didn't happen. And this has it, there, like there are happened. certain concerts of the 90s. I've gone back to Setlist FM and things like that and tried to look for things, and they're not there, which is crazy. Uh, so, yeah. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, Setlist FM is pretty exhaustive. Yeah. But, you know, it's, it's kind of like it, – it's kind of old school in that sense. It's like being in the 70s or the 60s where, yeah, a lot of these – Shows were not cataloged. So anyway, my number four uh, was Coachella 2013. So last year was my first and only Coachella experience to, to date. And uh, it was very cool. I find myself referencing it all the time. And Coachella being one of the granddaddies, it and Bonnaroo of the festival experience. I guess Coachella really is the, the first of the modern day festival experience, I should say. Um, it was a pretty awesome experience. I reference it all the time because I saw so many good acts there. But seeing the Chili Peppers close out the festival, and I'd seen them before, but seeing them in, in the greater or the Southern California area was had a different feel for me. Seeing the Postal Service reunion that happened, um, seeing Vampire Weekend, seeing I mean there were so many good acts there. Uh, it was it was a very cool experience. So getting to finally go to Coachella, um, that's number four. Number three. Uh, the Virgin Mobile Festival, which happens, they they it's become the free festival now since then. But back in 2007, went to the Virgin Mobile Fest. Um, police did a reunion. Their reunion tour was happening at the time. Got to see that, but it was an incredible lineup, top to bottom. Um, and they had, I'm trying. They had Beastie Boys. They had Ben Harper, Cheap Trick, Amy Winehouse. Um, LCD Chief, sound system. You remember I was there. I was there with you, Todd. You were there. Yes. Chief Trick, actually, Chief Trick was a highlight for me, and you you, you uh, kind of held me to the flame, as it were. Oh uh, yeah. To, to yeah. stick around for that uh, instead of you know. That's the flame. The I like it. I like yeah. it. They did. <laughs> on the second stage. So. Ah, nice. Yeah. No, they. Yeah. I was. You know, I was really excited to see Chief Trick. Yeah. Um, and that, hey, they, I, they did not disappoint. So. That it's funny because something about that festival, and maybe it was just a case of, I, I didn't, my, you know, I expected something very, something good, but it was amazing. So, that sticks out in my mind. I reference that all the time, and I always think about that because, like, you've been to a lot of festivals, you find yourself referencing, and we all, I'm, I'm sure, we find find ourselves referencing these all constantly. So that that one definitely sticks out in my mind. Um, number two, moving on, uh, my really my first. That was probably my first big concert. Was HF Festival '94, the one that Harrison unfortunately couldn't go to because of the interim. Oh, um, my parents. But but HF Festival '94, I went with my brother Bill, um, and it was it was yeah it was such a cool experience to go to RFK Stadium in DC uh, back in '94. See all these bands. James was there. Violent Femmes. Toad Wet Sprocket again. Rollins Band. Um, Get pavement. Oh, and Todd, then, tell me more about how awesome this show was, please. So, well, I just have to, I have to justify <laughs> it at least. 
And yeah. Cracker and Counting Crows were, were, I guess, the headliners, technically. But just a, an amazing show, top to bottom. And, and I was at an impressionable age of uh, 14 at the time. So that was, uh, that was a tremendous show. I actually just knocked off another one that I had on this list to make room for that. Because I, I, when Harrison talked about Ancient Festival, I thought, oh, my gosh, i got to have Ancient Festival in here. Um, and then number one, I did leave off Bonnaroo or the Bonnaroo experience because I think Scott's going to talk about it because Bonnaroo was definitely a, an amazing experience, if, but if, not mem- if it wasn't memorable because I don't know how much I, oh, I remember, so Scott may remember it better. But anyways, number one on my list was Jazz Fest this year, and it's nice when you can put, that, put something up high from 2014. Um, and that's because, I, as I've talked about a little on the show, or maybe more than a little, I got to see Springsteen um, with Tom Morello in the E Street Band, uh, which to me was like a dream show. And, and having John Fogarty come out and play with them, um, it was, that was an incredible experience, I, one I'll never forget. Uh, and, and Jazz Fest, as we've talked about also, and Scott's experience, I think Scott will talk about Jazz Fest as well, but uh, they just do an amazing job in New Orleans with Jazz Fest, and I would love to go back to another Jazz Fest, but um, that experience, uh, definitely very high up on the list. So very that's, jealous what, I, that's yeah. what I got. But hey, I would love to go back to Jazz Fest. I think there are some other ones that will, in the future, that will would be up there too. That's nice. a that's a good list, Todd, covering the big ones: Jazz Fest, Bonnaroo, and Coachella. Nice job on that. And, yeah. the, fu- and the funny thing, because you, know, you, you mentioned the Jazz Fest lineup with uh, the E Street Band, I was just thinking that something that none of us have on our lists, but is a mutual experience, is the Vote for Choice or Vote for Change yeah, tour. Yeah, that that's one vote of the greatest change. one of the greatest concerts that I was ever at. Incredible I didn't lineup. I didn't think of it but, as but great. I, I, I didn't have a festival not, feel like. Not it, a right? well, but first of all, no, because we were trapped inside of an arena for uh, ten hours, I think, which was. Or were you trapped, or were you having the best time of your fucking life? Yeah, well, that's, I, <laughs> no, that's true. You're right. No, no, you're right. But it was okay. Yeah, yeah. No, it was amazing. <laughs> that was that was the Vote for Change finale in Washington D.C., which took place at the Verizon Center. It included everybody that had been on the road stumping for John Kerry that election season. So that included, I mean, it, the show was crazy. It had John Mellencamp, who I'll mention first, of course. Uh, of course. Also. This was the, like October of four or something like that. Yeah. It was amazing. No, yeah. yeah. September, yeah. October. It was amazing. But uh, um, uh, we know Bushy couldn't be defeated d- despite, uh, obviously, the amazing concert. But, uh, no, you evil's know. Evil's a powerful thing. Yeah. <laughs> That's a different podcast, uh, but uh, yeah, that no, it was amazing. It was it was at Pearl Jam, REM, uh, Springsteen, Fogarty, Jurassic, Jackson Pop, Brown, Jackson Brown, Dave Matthews, Bonnie Raitt, Keb Moe, right. all in one stage. That was amazing. Uh, that that show was unbelievable. And that Dixie show, Chicks, Dixie Chicks covering Mississippi, which was on your list, which yeah. we mentioned last week in the Bob there, in the, the singer songwriter or in the in Jurassic five, right? Yeah. Jurassic five. Yeah. They started the show at, I think six o'clock yeah. and the show ended at 2 AM. Yeah, it was, <laughs> no, it was, it was pretty cool. That was a really cool show. I did the research on the way more weekend. That show never happened. There's no way that show. Did, right. Yeah. That show. <laughs> That's actually yeah. kind of cool. Yeah. Harrison, you know, it it's is like, kind of cool. I know what happened. Care, we carry it with us. Yeah. yeah. You know, it badge is, of honor. Yeah. That show, that, that show did not happen. So, uh, uh, we were way under enjoyed, the radar. Yeah, way under the radar there. You should, yeah, 
Well, uh, <laughs> that's a good list. Like I said, Ty, good list. Ca- you know, capturing a lot of the big festivals there. As uh, between the three of us, we've basically been to pretty much everyone, with the exception of Glastonbury. I think we've been to all the big, all the big and, guys. Wait, ACL? Have you been to ACL? I've not been to ACL. That's we right. Yeah, have well, big day, big day out. We had to give a little love to the Australians. And I didn't mention Lollapalooza, though. I went to both the traveling version in '95, yeah. and Scott and I went to the the Chicago version in '08. So yeah, there's true. some that got left off here. I have some. Do you remember? We have a memorable uh, Lollapalooza moment from uh, when we saw Metallica back in the day. <laughs> yes. Do you remember that? Yes. Remember coming that, out of their limo. Right? Coming out of their limo. And you, do you remember how that story ends? Like with us going back to the car where we had made the uh, where we, were, we had been barbecuing and stuff, and there were those rednecks in front of us, and we were like, and they were there just to see Metallica, and we come up. Yeah. And uh, we're like, I'm like, hey, guys, we just ran into Metallica. We look over, and one of the dudes is getting blown by a girl who's sitting in the car. Do you remember what? this? I don't remember. That. I do now that you mentioned it. I kind of remember it, but I did not recall that. Well, I, I mean, it's a, a tra- it's a tragic memory, but it, it exists. <laughs> yeah. So. so you have to share it with everybody else. Wow. Well, yeah. Yes. That's, that's what this is shows for. It's just no, therapy it's cool. for me. Because Red... I've seen some fucked up. No, red, redneck. Some messed up stuff, man. Yeah, yeah, no, no. Redne- rednecks, yeah. rednecks getting blowjobs. The new album by Aaron Lewis, produced by Fred Durst. It's coming soon. Yeah. <laughs> uh... <laughs> <laughs> All it's a good right. segue into your list. Yeah, right? good segue yeah. into my list. Uh, I'm gonna. I'm not gonna. I don't think Aaron Lewis or Fred Durst will make my list at all. I'll start it off with number five, HF Festival '95, first big show that I was at, first festival that I ever went to. Uh, of course, the memory there, the time spent in the mosh pit, which was a lot of time, and we moshed to everything then, which is so funny. Not everything the band, but we would have moshed to everything the band, but everything. <laughs> wow. That was, everything. Even yeah, yeah, everything that was going on then, and uh, including Better Than Ezra. And I, I lost my glasses when Better Than Ezra were playing. I had a backpack on. Somebody ripped open the backpack, threw everything that was in my backpack up in the air including my brand new Uh-oh. boston bruins hat oh. and my glasses oh, i came home joanne wasn't happy but i left and i loved rock and roll from that moment on because man what's ron that, still upright at that point what's that oh ron yeah well ron who was one of our, our our compatriots at the show he was no he was in a seat i think in section 417 at our stadium where he stayed the entire time but yeah the show was uh, maybe that was 96 that the that ron fell no i think it was 95 i don't know and it could have been both of them um that guy loved he just would mix different different random liquors from his parents liquor cabinet but uh hf festival 95 it was amazing i mean the time in the in the pit i remember being there and then getting out of the and and you know being in the in the heart of the pit and it was like 100 degrees and gavin rossdale was on stage and all i was like this is what i want to do have long hair and play guitar riffs like gavin rossdale and it never happened, but um, we're both we're, we both turned out okay, I guess. You, um, did, you did have long curly hair for a while. I did, I did. Don't, don't yeah. yourself short, man. I, I know, on. thanks. I know. And you then mean, I remember getting out. But I got out. Of, I got out of that pit, and I thought I wasn't even going to survive. Then I remember seeing two girls um, who we knew. I think two girls who we knew, and they're like, "Oh my god, how was it?" I was like, "Oh, this is unbelievable. I can't believe I'm even alive still." And they're like, "You were that close to Gavin Rossdale." And that kind of <laughs> sums up 1995. So, Pretty uh, much. Yeah. 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 But, uh, yeah, that was HFS 95. So I lose the glasses 
at the Better Than Ezra show because everybody moshed. Because how could you not mosh to good? I mean, come on. It was a mosh-worthy song in 1995. And then what was ironic, for number four on my list, I, I, the irony was that New Orleans Jazz Fest 2013, I had an opportunity to, to be backstage at that show for, with some work stuff, and I actually ended up sitting next to uh, Kevin Griffin from Better Than Ezra. So it was like this cool moment where, you know, I used to hang out in the mosh pit, and now look at me. I'm living, I'm backstage, and I'm hanging out. I didn't even talk to him. He did write one of my uh, a song that I really like called Misunderstood, which I didn't even tell him how much I like that song. That's a totally different story. But New Orleans Jazz Fest 2013 is number four on my list just because of that experience and, and kind of having gone, I felt like, oh, I went from the mosh pit all the way to backstage. That was kind of cool. Number three, you arrived. I had arrived. Number three, <laughs> number three on my list was uh, HF Festival 2006, which Harrison talked about, seeing Kanye West at the top of his game. That was just unbelievable. And, and yeah, we, we already discussed that. I mean, that was an amazing experience. Number two, New Orleans Jazz Fest 2008. First time at Jazz Fest. I've been a total of three times now, and that was my first time there. Um, Todd, you summed it up. We've talked about it on other shows. That festival is amazing. I highly recommend it to any music fan. And I don't care what kind of music you like. You should definitely go to New Orleans Jazz Fest. Um, and even if you're not a hardcore music fan, you should go to New Orleans Jazz Fest. If you like to either do one of the, the following three things, which I think uh, if you're breathing, hopefully you do like to do these three things, which would be eat, drink, or listen to music. Um, any of those things, <laughs> I would you, agree. You, should go, you should go to New Orleans Jazz Fest. And if you don't like those three things, don't listen to the damn show. That's that's yeah. sex, drugs, and rock and roll. If you're over thirty, yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's right. Yeah, yeah. Well, if, you, if you're into cougar hunting, you can do that there too. But uh, yep. so so Jazz Fest 2008 is is uh, is on my list, and and uh, the memory from that show, like I said, first time there, the memories were uh, meeting people from all over the world. Um, you know, just seeing the the vibe of that show was incredible. And the late night shows, we went to the uh, Gray Boy All Stars show, which is, is Carl Denson's band. We went to see Gray Boy All Stars. Uh, the show started. It shows at Tip Tina's. It started at 3 a.m. Left at 7. The club was still packed. Um, the two friends who I had gone with were still inside the club. I I was like, I'm done. I waved the white seven. flag. Seven. 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 And I Central. ran the cab. Did you go to the seven festival Central. the next day? That's eight Eastern. That's uh, that's oh that's, yeah. We went to late. yeah went to the show the next day. Um, 7 a.m. still, the beer cart is still outside. It's Tiftina's. People still drinking outside and inside. I get in a cab with three random people who all, their friends were still inside the club, too. I mean, it is, Jazz Fest is amazing. And if you, and, and the, 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 the club shows are amazing. The festival's amazing. The food's amazing. Everything about it is, uh. Dude, New Orleans, so, man. That's, that's why it's. I know. <laughs> I've never been, I've never been. You're hurting yeah. feelings. Yeah. It's cool. It's cool. Yeah. I have, I have faith that you could make it. Till 7 a.m. for a Carl Denson show, Harrison. So, the, oh, I could, I yeah, could. that's that's two on my list. And number one, Bonnaroo 04, where all of us went. Of course, we went with yes. our, our buddy Hetty and his. Did we? What? Yeah, Hetty was there. Hetty was. No, there. I mean, did I go? <laughs> oh yeah. Well, you were you were MIA. You wouldn't remember. You were yeah. MIA for about 48 hours. Uh, we we were there with with our buddy Hetty, and then his his buddy uh, Andy Kanye West was there as well. And uh, yeah, it was it was an incredible experience. You know, Bonnaroo. I mean, we're talking 10 years ago. 
It's crazy. Yes. I mean, ten no. years ago. Yeah. So 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 we saw crazy. and camping. We were all camping for four days. Or camping whatever. for four that days. That was awesome. And we saw, uh, you know, as far as the music was concerned, Bonnaroo was still in the. It was the end of the jam band phase for for Bonnaroo. They hadn't gotten into the indie rock thing. I think they started that probably about a year or two later. Uh, still in the jam band. I mean, the headliners were still the usual suspects like the Dead and Dylan. But you know, seeing Trey, yeah, yeah but, but bands that were playing in tents were people like. Uh, Damien Rice, uh, Black Keys, Kings of Leon, My Morning Jacket. It was a really, it was a monumental time for My Morning Jacket. One Big Holiday was just starting to get a lot of buzz, and they had a, a an amazing set on one of the the state. They weren't on a tent. They were they weren't in a tent. They were on one of the main stages. And Ray Lamontagne was at one of the real small stages too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it, it was yeah, it was um, it was an incredible incredible experience. And Bonnaroo's another mm-hmm. one that any music fan. Okay. Yeah, what? I, I, I got something to admit to you. Uh-oh. It's been uh, 10 years. Okay. I've never I've never told either of you this. I've let, I've let the conversation continue, but I've never told you this. I didn't see the dead play. I know. We, we were, Todd you and know. I were standing next to each other. Todd yeah, didn't see we were to, Well, Todd didn't we see it either because Todd, Todd, oh, okay. Todd was sleeping Sit. standing up. I know you didn't see the right. dead. But I was there. I was physically yeah. there. Yeah, I saw the dead. Oh, okay. I thought yeah. I was always past. I always thought I got one over on you guys on that one. I thought no. you guys No, I didn't there, think you were there. there. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't give a shit where you were until like two days later. We, we started to get worried. At 48 hours in, that's when we – I remember. It had been – I vividly remember. We were sleeping in the same tent. How did you not see me? I we were like, we were like, hey, hey, Scott, where's Harrison? Yeah, yeah. Like, I don't know. I, I don't know. Where we, I remember when we started to get worried. It was, it was so we had lost. I think well, somewhere around Dave Matthews. So again, the jam. I mean, this is it's crazy. A different, obviously, Bonnaroo is now and then. But Dave Matthews was playing. I think was Dave Matthews playing. Is that right? Was he on that? Band? I was definitely I with I you guys. For, I was definitely with you guys for Dave Matthews. This is so upsetting. No, no, I was totally there with you guys for Dave yeah. Matthews. All we know is. You said you went to go see Primus on Friday. We didn't see you until Sunday. That's all I know. That's all okay. I know. Yeah, that's Fine. it. All right. Yeah. All right. Yeah, that's it. Uh, but it was that was an amazing time. Bonnaroo 2004, yes. my number one festival memory. So those are my my five uh, festival memories. So, yeah, I mean, including, obviously, New Orleans Jazz Fest, uh, Bonnaroo, and, and the HF Festival, which uh, we talked about earlier tonight. So, yeah, there you go. There it is. Uh, so moving on, news, news of the week. Plenty of stuff to to talk about there. Taylor Swift decided to write something for the Wall Street Journal. Did you guys have a chance to read that? Any thoughts on that? I did. Yes. Uh, I thought it was it, it, it was it was actually it was naive and prescient at the same time. Um, her idea that music has val- monetary value is really naive. Uh, the concept that you can sell an album for money is, I think, very naive. Well, is she her... saying that – is that more of a business stance? I mean, does she really mean that? I don't know if she does. I don't know. Just, she, but yeah. she was very – yeah, it seems yeah. she was just like, you know, there, you know, albums have value and we'll figure out what that is. But I think she, what she's going to yeah. figure out, the value is somewhere around zero to one cent. Uh, <laughs> that's my – I think she knows that. I think her management tells her otherwise, but I think she okay. knows that. Yeah. That's fair. And what I thought was really interesting is her her take on the fact that you know she got signed her to her label because she could prove that she had fans, and that's kind of the way. That's kind of like the there's no more A and R, right? It's just it's just it's the opposite now. It's like you have to come and you have to come in with the fan base before you know people will talk to you now because they're not going to invest the money in developing an artist anymore. Like you need to be a, a known commodity before they'll talk to you. And I think actually. 
Um, not, not, and unfortunately, this is going to be his first reference on the show. But Dane Cook also talked the same thing about when he was looking, you know, like when he went to HBO, he had to pitch the fact that he had all these MySpace followers, and that's what got him his first special. Not like not anything he said or did, but how many eyeballs he could bring to the screen. And that's the same same thing that's going on with music now. Is that you know people want results, they don't want they don't want development, they don't want to. Nobody well, wants to be responsible for a failure. Yeah, and this is where yeah. I know I know Todd, we get into this, Harrison and I every week. We could do a separate podcast on this, but this is where the system's kind of broken, right? Because I I agree with that theory that um, you should be judged on how many followers you have, what kind of audience you can bring, because there is so much data out there that already tells us this kind of stuff. So how much risk mm-hmm. should really be taken in any medium, right? Because I can already tell how many SoundCloud hits you've got, or I can tell how many, you know, I already know how you're doing on YouTube. Um, so I don't fault her for saying that. I think she's, I think she's right on. I think that the industry. No, I'm not faulting her. Yeah, no, no, yeah, no, no, no yeah. don't get me wrong. I wasn't saying yeah. she's wrong. I mean, she was, that's the part where I, not naive, but prescient. She's very, she was very on point on that, on yeah. that perspective. Um, and again, we'll have a link to this on twistedlistpod.com for you guys to check out the article. Um, just so you know what's going on, but it's an interesting article written by somebody who's, I mean, obviously very famous and very in tune with what's going on. So it's worth it's worth a read. That's a good um, summary, actually, in tune. I mean, she seems to be very, is, is, you know, if anybody wants to write her off as a pop star, that's fine, but she's very in tune with her generation, definitely, with yeah, her peers. And, for this, sure. and that's the thing that struck me about the column is that she's saying to, to music fans and the music industry, you know, this is how the people my age uh, take in music, and this is how the business should be run. And we have an appreciate just because we don't pay for it, we have a fucking appreciation for it. And that's where. I think it's lost a lot of times, you know, uh, that's where the industry kind of messes up. So Todd, any thoughts on that? Uh, no, I didn't get a chance to see the article, so I don't. <laughs> so, uh, Todd, you can, you can follow up with the weekly, uh, crafty bastards report here. Uh, Kanye. It seems like there's always a lot going on with the, uh, yeah. yeah. The, cra- bastards. Cra- the crappy bastards. Yeah. The crafty. Cra- I, by the way, the crappy bastards. That's Todd's Todd super group, which included both Jack White and Kanye West, uh, when we did yes. the rock draft a couple episodes ago and your super group and, uh, Kanye gets booed again. This seems to be a thing that happens, the ranting and raving, and he still does the rant though so that's what happens this was at the wireless fest in the uk this past weekend but then jack white decided to cover black skinhead so they must be practicing for something todd and i think i i don't know if i mentioned on the show i know i mentioned to you guys at some point but i but jack white is a has said he is a big kanye west fan and obviously he covered him but so that speaks to that but Mm -hmm. uh but i think this also speaks to the fact that crafty bastards would be an amazing band because you have you know, mutual love, I think, between Jack White and Kanye West. You're so assuming a mutual chemistry. love. You're assuming there's a mutual love. Here. Do you really think Kanye can love anybody but himself? I don't know. You're saying he doesn't really love Kim? I don't, I don't really know. Well, yeah, that's exactly <laughs> what I'm saying. I guess you are. I'm very specifically saying that. I guess, but <laughs> yeah, maybe he doesn't love Kim, but I think he'd love, I don't know, I think him and Jack White could make it work, especially with the help of Questlove and Tom Morello, but that's a whole other episode sure. that it was a whole uh, I know that's, that's what I'm true. saying. It's true. <laughs> but anyway, I it, to me it only makes the whole crafty bastards uh, uh, concept even stronger. So it's true. That's true. You do you do have some some strong support for your uh, your. I your, think so. I think so, man. And they're your, they're your, very relevant. Your, too. your blighted train wreck of a band actually has a little bright spot. Oh, so, yeah. Oh, I'm sorry, <laughs> Jade Stem. We're we're not talking about them, are we? 
Oh, no. Anymore. No, they're doing great. <laughs> There's nothing to say. <laughs> All right. Fair enough. So, <laughs> what do we have? What do we have? What Jack we have? Jack White continuing to press more vinyl, too, at Third Man Records. They're coming out with more. He's going to come out with a live White Stripes album that was recorded in 2000 on vinyl. And then also he is uh, going to uh, release um, – uh, what's the – the oh, it, I, I'm having a his other his other de, the de, dead, weather. Dead, weather. dead weather. Thank you, God. Yeah, sorry, I forget. Dead weather and tracks from the dead weather on vinyl too. So uh, he's he's definitely all about the vinyl resurgence. I guess if you own a if you own a label, that's that's kind of where you're gonna make but some money. Do. Yeah, that's that's yeah. where you're gonna make money. I'm, he's he basically it seems his belief is I'm gonna post it on SoundCloud and I'll sell it on vinyl. That's pretty much what he's, he thinks. I mean, if he keeps delivering by courier on Sundays, though, he's not gonna make a lot of money. <laughs> yeah. Well, but he's in the nice position where he doesn't have to make a lot of money or any money so, really that's you know? true, true. That. i'm sure third man has some investors uh so uh that's what's going on there also jimmy fallon with a great parody csny or well he does his he i want to end the show i i think i want to end the show with this so i want to tease it but jimmy fallon doing a reworking of iggy azalea's fancy which is uh Cool, and it's uh, check it out. So Crosby, Stills, and Nash joined him on stage. He did his Neil Young thing. I'll play it for you at the end of the show. So stay here because you don't want to go nice. anywhere. I'll All play right, it. nice I'll play, it. I'll play it at the end. Well, the, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, so, so that's you know what? Maybe we need to play Rusted Root on the way out. I don't know. Uh, oh no! You know, here, you know what? Let's just play that. We'll just play it now. This is the this is what it was. It was cool. This is cool. He wants to play Rusted Root. Right? Oh, wow! No. I didn't I didn't know the animosity was so strong that we were gonna bump a segment. But that's cool. Here's it. here's Jimmy Fallon reworking "Fancy" by Gazelia. Drop this and let the whole world feel it And I'm still in the murder business I can hold you down Like I'm giving lessons in physics I'm so fancy You already know I'm in the fast lane from L.A. to Tokyo, I'm so fancy. Can't you taste this gold? Remember my name about to blow. So Crosby, Stills, and Nash will join him momentarily, which is which is fantastic on this reworking here. It's funny because Vicky still insists that that song is Gwen Stefani, and I keep telling her, no, it's Iggy Azalea, and she's like, no, 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 that's Gwen Stefani, and I'm like, Vicky. Stop arguing. <laughs> Come on. I'm so fancy. Can you taste this gold? Remember my It's amazing. Anytime you get Graham Nash cool. to participate in something like that, uh, that's fantastic. Uh, David Crosby doesn't know where he is, so he's he's he can probably tell him to do anything. But Graham Nash, I wonder I wonder what that discussion was like. Was he like, I, I love Iggy Azalea. I think she's just fantastic. That's great. I, uh, probably not. I don't know. Uh, I think he said, he, what he said was, so I just read what's on the teleprompter, right? <laughs> All right, let's go. Yeah, yeah that's exactly right. So, um Anyway, check that out. That's out there, of course. So what have you guys been listening to? What have you guys been checking out this week? Harrison? 
Uh, I got a couple. Um, uh, one that came, dropped, I think, today was uh, a band called Braid. They have an album called No Coast that came out, and it was very, uh, very reminiscent for me of Pavement. Um, so we're getting, starting to get that kind of uh, that vibe going again. The lo-fi, guitar-driven sound, um, low-key, good lyrics. Um, so check them out again. Braid, No Coast. My other one is uh, Magic Man Before the Waves. Which is also tapping into this the new wave movement that we we've been seeing a lot lately with like churches and uh, future islands, continuing that that the heavy synth sound and they actually really tap into the kind of the old old school synth sound better than anybody has recently. I think they really kind of nailed it. So, Magic Man before the waves, check it out. And they were a Firefly artist actually. And they were so, Firefly artists. There, there you go. Yeah. Magic Man's um, been doing a bunch of remixes too, I think, on stuff, haven't they? Yeah, really. Yeah, I feel like. Uh, and there's also the album Magic, yeah. which came out too, but that was that was different. That's a yeah. reggae. Right. Oh yeah, the Rude song, of course. Yeah, yeah. Yes, big big hit. Yeah. Um, kids love it. Yeah. <laughs> so, I have been listening to the new Fish album, and Scott and I we we texted about this a little. And Fuego. Fuego, yeah, Fuego, um, which actually is uh, it's funny after listening to it couple of times. Um, not that I didn't like it the first time, but it's definitely growing on me. I was listening to it yesterday, and I was like, yeah, I really like this. Um, some, some great stuff on there. Uh, the song is, I think, Winter Queen, really good one. Uh, Sing Monica, really good song. I mean, there's a, there's a bunch of good stuff on there, and I think uh, it does, it definitely lends itself to, I think, to, to live, playing it live, which makes sense for a band like Fish. Um, but I think it holds up well just on its own. So I'd recommend checking it out, Fish Fuego. I think it's their first album, new album in four years, maybe more. It's been a little while for them. And then also Lana Del Rey, which she's been a hot topic of late. I listened to a whole podcast about Lana Del Rey the other day, like a half-hour podcast. It's probably more time than I should have spent just focused hmm. on Lana Del Rey. But um, – um, I uh, I still haven't gotten into her really. I, I get the appeal a little bit, and I like some of her stuff a little bit, but I can't say I'm a big fan. So Ultraviolence is her new album. I think I'm in the same she, camp. I think she gets more attention than maybe she's it's she than she deserves. But I'm with I'm, I'm, I'm in the I get it, but it's not my thing camp. Yeah, I'm yeah. I'm with you, Harrison. I agree. I get it. I completely so, I see why maybe she's... we're all too old for it. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, yeah, no, we are. Yeah, for sure. We're, we're not in the demo for it. No, definitely no, we're not. not. Yeah, she's um, you know, she's it, yeah. We're not in that demo. Yeah, I, it's too. It's just way too slow in the same thing over and over, but. Uh, and the lyri- some of the lyrics are not good. Like that West Coast song where she's like, they go to the West Coast and they drink a- or something. It's like, what? what? I don't, you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? And yeah, anyway. Yeah. Um, yeah, but it's, it's, so. it's okay. Anyway. Yeah. So Scott, what, how about you? What do you? I was going to use this time. I was going to use this time to give a review of a movie that I saw this week, which is Begin Again. Have either of you guys seen this or are you familiar? No, I want to see it. Okay. I, know, and I, I know the okay. idea. It's the director of Once, right. I think. Well, Todd, you and should. And it's a go... similar concept. Okay, first of all, sorry. The music from once what? is far superior to the music in Begin Again. Well, which that makes... I yeah, yeah, which makes test. right, right, which makes a big difference. So, uh, uh, Todd, you have to see it, and then. And we'll... Adam Levine's acting debut, right? Yes, that's one of the problems with the movie. Oh, uh, so, so... Well, I'll, I'll talk to you guys next week. Yeah, yeah. This is so. So let me. It oh, has okay. the great Mark Ruffalo as well. Here's the deal. Oh, nice. Here's the deal. 
the 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 movie has some very good messages. A lot of the things that we talk about sometimes on this show, like the changing music industry, the value of a record label or the lack of value of a record label. Uh, there's a great scene in there where you get the the clowniness, I guess, for lack of a better word, of what has become terrestrial radio. There's there's these scenes where you can tell this was written or produced or someone involved in this wanted to make a statement about the music industry. Well, where this music movie failed is the music absolutely sucks. And I, by saying this, I think it will eliminate... <laughs> Uh, I think his name is Greg Alexander. He is the front man or the proprietor of the New Radicals, the one-hit wonder that gave no, us no. You got to get oh, what you radicals. give. Yeah, um, he's the guy, and it's funny because the music. I thought it sounded like New Radicals. So here's the problem. <laughs> There's no reason that we need in this world a collaboration between the New Radicals and Maroon Five, and that's basically what you're whoa, getting. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Don't play that, please. I'm not playing it. I'm not. No, okay, I'm not gonna. Oh, okay, I don't know. Look, look it up. Harrison. If you anybody who can't stand Adam Levine and his his whole his like every song is this his whole oh it's all it's just. Todd, just you should. I don't know if you should see it. What? Just the music is so bad. So I, the music, I shouldn't see it. Ah, well, you shouldn't, but you should just to see it. It doesn't. The problem with the movie is it doesn't even place in the same arena as the best music movies of all time. Like it's not even in there with with these movies that you talk about, like the music from Once, or obviously the 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 storyline to something like a High Fidelity, or but the thing that's different. Even even like Crazy Heart had this, which is a great movie, but also it had amazing music. And and think about all the great music. This is what bothered me. I walked out of the theater. What bothered me is there's this amazing music in television and film today. Probably the best music being used ever because music directors have access to more than ever before. For, right and this music yeah. fucking sucked and it it sucked there's better music used on episodes of freaking csi than than <laughs> in this than in this movie i mean the movie the music I, and you can't have i'm sorry but you can't have a successful music movie i don't care how good the the message is without good music so that's uh, a good point so, that's a good point so, i heard yeah. kira knightley sings her own parts she does but true. the songs suck the songs okay. they so are. Here nightly, we got it is. Mark it is. And and I and, and I like singer songwriter stuff. And I thought the music just it it just sucked. It, it, I I don't I don't understand. I I don't I don't know what happened. I don't know. I don't. But, you, but, this, but so it sounds like you like the the story. The story. The, the story was fine. Right? The story was fine. The story was. Was okay. was was fine. It was it All was. Right, so you don't like the story that much. The story was good, <laughs> but I couldn't get past as a music fan. I couldn't get past the, the music. That's why I'm curious to get your take on it because I just right. couldn't get so past it. So it's no it. Love Monkey. That's what you're telling me. No, <laughs> it's no. For those who are Tom Cavanaugh. Yeah, that's, that's right, that Tom one. Cavanaugh. Yeah, yeah. No, it's wow. it's definitely nothing. No, that yeah, would be no that that would be higher on the list of music, television, and film. Okay. Yeah. Oh, that was that was a great five episodes. Remember how long that lasted? Yeah. Oh man, it was yeah. good. It yeah. was good. Yeah. So that was um. That was that was what I checked. I wanted to use my time to discuss or that. Or backbeat for that for that matter. Another very good music yeah. movie. Oh well, I think we need to do a the show. Beatles career, we need we early. need to do we need to do a show on music uh, movies. So I've decided for what should play us out now. This was classic. This was my morning jacket at Bonnaroo, 2004. A legendary performance. One big holiday. They were on their way. On their way up, as we're talking about other bands and seeing them at that time, 
And uh, this was this was incredible, and it was something that you couldn't miss at Bonnaroo 2004. Anything else, guys, before we get right. out of here? That's great. This is Thanks. great. Thanks Thank for you. joining us, folks. <laughs> we'll talk Thanks. to you next Thanks. time. Thanks for indulging us. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yes. <laughs>